You are listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church, located at 3144 South Home Avenue in Berwyn, Illinois. We invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9 o'clock a.m. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Just a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the epistle from James, and it talked about the, all the gifts that God gives us, how every good and perfect gift comes down from heaven from the Father of lights. What we talked about was that God provides. God provides all of these amazing gifts to you. That everything that we have, whether it's the physical gifts that we, we get, that we, our clothes and food and all of that stuff, or the spiritual gifts, the things that bring us salvation and sustain us in the faith, all of those things come from God. Our Father gives us everything that we need. But it's not just each of us individually that God provides. It's for the whole church as well. God provides grace and also the things that we need to survive to his church as a group. That's what St. Peter is talking about today. When he talks about, he says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The translation here hides something that the two words that are translated differently are actually the same. The word gift and grace are the same word in the Greek. It's the same word that we normally translate as grace because sometimes the Bible uses them differently. Now, for most of the time, we think of the word grace as God's gift of salvation that is free. The the gift that God gives you and me because he loves us and gives us eternal life. This is the gift that is exactly the same. St. Peter talks about that kind of gift. He says, For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. This is what we normally think of as grace, the gift of God for your salvation through Jesus Christ, and then applied to us by the sacraments, which is what Peter says later. He says, baptism now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into the heavens and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. That's normally what we think of as God's grace. But throughout the New Testament, the Bible also talks about grace as the varied gifts that each of us has. What it is 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 God gives us the salvation that we need as grace And then he also gives out gifts like the talents that we have to provide for his church. St. Peter talks about some of those in our reading. He says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, or as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. One is speaking 
as those who speak the oracles of God. Another is serving. So he mentions just a couple of there. We can also see them in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where St. Paul writes, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. All of these things are gifts that God provides to his church. We can see it in Romans also. In Romans chapter 12, he says, Having gifts, the same word, gifts, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. God provides for his church Not just through the salvation we receive by grace, through faith, on account of Christ, but he also gives each one of you various different gifts. Gifts that come down from him to use in service for each other. And that's what St. Peter means when he talks about the varied gifts of grace that we need to be good stewards of. And St. Peter tells us that we ought to use them to love one another. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. What it's like is uh, taking a whole bunch of seeds. I just planted my, my herb garden uh, not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. Fortunately, it didn't snow after I planted them. The first time around it did and it killed them all off so I had to do it again. But you get all those little seed packets, right? God's gift is like if you took those seed packets, ripped them all up and dumped them in a bucket and shook it around and then took a handful and sprinkled it out on a congregation, you'd never know what would land where. Maybe you got basil. Someone else got daffodils or lilies or whatever. I don't know enough about plants to know whether those are bulbs or not, so bear with me. But you get the idea, right? Is that when God spreads out his grace, it grows into different things in different people. And through it, God provides for his church. God gathers us together to use all of these things to take care of each other and build up the body of Christ. Now, one of the things he says about that is how we're supposed to use them, the attitude we're supposed to have. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Self-controlled and sober-minded. Self-controlled is a word we, we know pretty well. Um, what it means, if you look at it, use, uses throughout the New Testament, it's the idea of behaving within certain bounds of propriety. It's following the rules, right? The rules of good behavior. Sober-minded is, is not about alcohol. It's about having clear, rational thought. Not being clouded by our passions, but being able to approach a situation with a clear mind. Now, St. Peter 
talks about this when he warns the early Christians not to be clouded by their passions. Uh, Earlier in chapter 4, he says, Live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. Pretty intense, right? St. Peter is telling them that now they are Christians, they are not supposed to be filled with these passions to cloud their thinking and cause them to do the things that their, their sinful nature wants to do. But it's not just that. Peter's sober-minded, clear thinking also points them away from the opposite error. The error of taking the, the idea that the end is near so seriously and the gift of God so seriously that you stop behaving with self-control. The temptation for them was to say, God has given me these amazing gifts I can do whatever I want with him. I'm too awesome to follow the rules. Or Jesus is coming back again. He'll be here any moment. I don't need to work. I can just enjoy the the spiritual benefits of being a Christian and, and do whatever my passions tell me in that regard. And both, of course, are not right. St. Peter wants his people to live self-controlled and clear-minded, not thinking themselves better than they should, but seeing the gift of God as service to his church, providing for the church, the gift of God for each other. And that is what God asks us to do today. God provides for his church. He provides for you and for me. He gives the gift of God to you and to me to gather us together to do the work that the church has been given to do. And what he wants for us is to be sober-minded, to have clear thought. Now, because you come regularly to church, I'm willing to bet that you live a relatively conservative life. You're not freewheeling out there doing whatever you feel like. You're not uh, going to orgies or anything like that, right? Probably not. I wouldn't think so. It's not those, those crazy human passions. I think in the church, the thing that clouds our thinking and our minds, especially in America, is the sense of loss. It's the sense that in the last several decades, we've lost something. We have gone from being a power in America, churches full, coffers overflowing, to something else. It's a sense of loss. And you can see it in the way the Christian world reacts these days. I think on one side, the the sense of loss causes people to just give up. The, if you can't beat them, join them philosophy. And you can see it across the country. There are people who identify as evangelicals, but haven't cracked a Bible or sung a hymn in decades. They say they're Christians, but they don't act like it in any way. 
But on the other hand, I think for Christians who come to church, the temptation is to resign yourselves into our, our small little group and try to hold on to what we have. To just say to the world, you guys do your thing and we'll get stuck in here and just hope we can hold on. Hope we can keep our builder building going, pay our bills, just maybe eke our way through and then the last person out should lock the doors. Also, not the way to go. Why? Because we let that sense of loss cloud our thinking about the power that is at work in the church. God provides for her church through the gifts he gives to you. Each one of you has this amazing gift of God, not just Jesus' death and resurrection, but something God calls on you to use for the church, to serve one another, to serve the world. We aren't in a mode of loss. We're in victory. That's what St. Peter talks about when he goes on to the next passage. He talks about being blessed when you're persecuted. Now, if you had, if you had a, a, a unclear thinking, you would look at persecution and you'd say, ah, oh, this is the worst thing ever. The church must be dying. But it's not. The church in persecution has victory. Just like the church in America has victory. Just like Concordia Lutheran Church has victory. But I think our minds are clouded with this loss. Why? Because we want the old days back again. We want a solid community. We want our, our, our pews filled. We want all the programs we used to have. But they're never, never coming back again. Why? You remember when Berwyn used to be a community where generation after generation used to live next to each other. You've got parents, kids, grandparents, aunts, uncles, all living on the same block, and the kids could run back and forth between all the different houses, and the parents wouldn't even know where they are, and they didn't care. Every once in a while, I'll do a funeral where the kids will come, and they'll talk about how great it was growing up like that. And you know where they live? Joliet. People move now. They don't stick around. We're not going to get that kind of community back again because everybody is buying houses all over the place. We can't try to go back. What about the full services? Back in the 80s and 90s, Concordia was booming. But we also had a ton of members coming from the city. Grace, Lutheran Church, Little Village, Faith, in Cicero, St. Matthew's in Pilsen. All the Lutherans were running away from the city. You know where they're running? Berwyn. It's not going to happen again. All those churches are teetering on the edge or closed. We can't get that back. We can't get back all of the programs we used to have. Why? Have you ever found someone who says, you know what, I'm not busy. I've just got so much time. Back in the day, that's what they said. 
I read something about the Walther League. People were reminiscing back at this, this huge National Walther League activity, and it closed in 1977. And you know what they said? We went to this thing because we had nothing to do. Nobody's like that anymore. But if we keep looking and hoping that we can regain the past, we'll just be clouded by loss. And how that looks is a congregation that just doesn't want to do anything. Anything outside of the church, we just want to hold on. But we have strength. We have victory in Jesus. God provides through you. We can do it because God's power is behind us. And we have amazing strengths that we can leverage to do good work in the world. I bet you didn't know that we had 28 preschoolers up here for graduation on, on Thursday. 28 preschoolers. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Isn't that a strength that we could build off of? Isn't that something that we could just, with just a little effort, capitalize on reaching the parents or use them to reach to our community full of parents? I spent some time over at Lunges and Lattes uh, reading to the parents and their children. It's like this mommy central. And they're looking for free things to do. Because parents in the middle of the day, parents in the summer, they need their kids distracted. That's an opportunity for us. But when we ask, when we say, I've got these great ideas, we get, no one steps forward. It doesn't cost a ton of money. It just takes a couple of people. And what that means is you move from being loss mentality to saying victory is within our grasp as long as we use our strengths to reach the world. It just takes a little bit, a little effort, a little hope. And God provides us, this group, you and me, he provides us with the varied gifts of grace to do it. Because he's given us the victory in Jesus Christ, because he's filled us with the Spirit, we don't have to just hide and hope. He's given us power. Power to serve each other. Power to serve our community. We can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the sermons of Concordia Lutheran Church. For more information about getting involved, please visit concordiaberwin.org. Like us on Facebook at Concordia Lutheran Church and Little Lambs.